This program brought to you by alanstevens.com.au. Good morning and welcome to the Be Connected Business Show. I'm your host once again. My name is Mark Grant, the bank fee assassin from a business called Costless Payment Solutions. This show is all about uh, exposing and having exciting guests and interesting people for you to learn from. Today, my guest on this episode is Misty Henkel. Misty is a networking and sales trainer who is based in Queensland, Australia. Welcome, Misty. How are you this morning? I'm fantastic. Thank you, Mark. That's the way. Pleasure to have you with us this morning. Look, before we talk about business, and that's why we're here, I would just like for our listeners to know more about Misty, the person. So could you tell us a bit about you and if and when you have time away from business, what your hobbies are? Right. (laughs) Well, Mark, as you know, I'm a sales trainer and um, I have to admit I treat sales training and teaching people about sales as a hobby. So to me, this is time away. So teaching sales is time away from work uh, by actually doing what everybody else considers work from uh, my perspective. But if I say wasn't coaching someone or wasn't running a sales class, then away from work, get to be a mom, walk the, we've got two golden retrievers, so I walk them. So I do all the, let's say the household stuff. But my brain sits in the sales side of everything. How do you get the kids to vacuum the house without complaining at you about it? How do you get them to eat broccoli once they've decided that they don't like it this week? Uh, you know, even right down to watching a movie, I'm a, a co-host with HMP um with the Happy Neighbourhood Project group, right? And I'm with the HMP Movie Lovers group. So, you know, you think, oh, it's a good excuse because there's movie trivia and things like that. So you get to, you know, oh, yeah, I'll watch a movie during the week. But in actual fact, I tend to watch movies in regards to what was the sales side of that? How did they get that person to do that? And how did they do that? So I'm always sort of, my brain just switches to the sales side of how did that person get that to happen easily or what did they do to make it so hard? So even when I speak to the boys, I speak of um, consequences. So I've got an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old, and I speak of consequences. You can do whatever you like, but understand the consequences. And the same filters back through sales. You can speak to a customer however you like, understand the consequences that show up on the other side. If you talk too much, the consequences most likely they can't buy because you spoke too much. If you can't deliver your price, the consequences is they, they won't buy because they don't know what the price is. Um you know, if you seem secretive, like, oh, well, you see, well, it kind of all depends. Again, you know, it makes it hard for someone. There's consequences on the side of everything we do. So um, I don't know that I do much outside of sales <laughs> because my brain works in that domain. Even, right, I was reading, right? I tell you what, I do love to read a good book. And I have all these personal development books, Mark, and um, and sales books. But really, there's only about half a dozen across both fields that are really, you know, if that's all that you read, that's amazing. Of course, one of them's mine, How to Go from No Sales to Sales. But Grant Cardone's 10X Rule, um, Mark uh, Mark Mason's uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving um, a, a Flying Fox, you know, um, some of those, The Five Second Rule. There's some that are just really great. But I do like to read stories as well. I try to limit it to just the week of Christmas because then I can sit down do nothing um, except read and I don't get yelled at by too many people because I literally get absorbed in a book. But I did um, just in the last couple of weeks read the Rosie Project books again 
it's about a guy who's sort of on the um, Asperger's or autism spectrum, uh, although he doesn't, he isn't aware of that. He just knows he has personality uh, differences to the majority of the rest of the world. But he checks through in the first book, he wants to get a wife, so he wants to get married. And then the next one is she gets pregnant. So what's his reaction to becoming a father? How does that work? And then the third one is their 11-year-old. Uh, the school wants him tested for autism, so to to test or not to test. But it's really interesting from the sales side of it because it's yeah. all about people and personalities and, and how we talk to people. So my brain is in the sales side going, oh, see, I see that problem right there. Oh, there's some things that I've done that probably shouldn't be doing over there. You know, like even I look at these things of how did it, how is it that I ended up in such an argument with my children, which I know is the opposite of how to sell something. <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> and so some of these other stories I read, I'm always wired to look for it to um to improve a better way of speaking really and I suppose that's probably the sales that I teach is just how to say it easier to let the other person come to the conclusion or buy themselves as well and the other person being the customer to come to the conclusion yeah, to buy absolutely. or not to buy and let them go with their um choices okay thank you for that that's interesting answer if I must say so <laughs> so let's continue on so please tell us more about your business and how you can help and what led you to being self-employed Okay, so um, sales trainer, what led me to this? I have been in love with money for as long as I can remember. From when I was tiny, saw a little shiny coin, asked what it was, found out this thing helped buy chocolate and anything else that you might want. And so I've always sort of been in love with it. Uh, when I was five, I learned to knit. When I was seven, I learned how to crochet. And I used to um, knit baby's booties and crochet doilies. I remember used to knit babies, but he's like heaps of them because I just loved it. And even now, what am I, 46? So we're looking at 40 years later. I haven't knitted babies' booties in like, I don't know, over 30 years. But I reckon I still have ingrained in my head the entire pattern. I could just sit down, you give me two hours, and I'll knit a pair because oh. the pattern was so great. That's how many I did, like from the age of seven. Oh and uh, I used to knit them, and then I'd package them up, and I'd send them off to my great-grandmother in Burke, and she would sell them for me to all of her friends. And it was because, um, you know, Nanathorn can sell us to Eskimos. That was the answer, right? Looking back now, it's no, because Nanathorn had a huge database of friends because she was a supremely happy, you know, sociable woman. And she'd just go out and say, my great granddaughter made these, they're $4, you should buy them. <laughs> I mean, that's how she sold it, right? Yeah. But looking back, that I discovered that's what it was. It wasn't because of some amazing power. She just told people the facts. My great granddaughter made it, they're $4, you should buy them. Now everybody knows what has to happen. Uh, I also, when I used to crochet, I'd crochet doilies. And, um, you know, like they're the things that go underneath the lamp on your bedside table, right? Yeah. And uh, all these things we don't have now. But um, one of mum's friends, she really liked what I was doing. And she said, um, you sit down and you make me this particular set because I really like it. And you just mark down how long it takes you. So when you, when you start, turn the clock on. And when you stop, turn it off, mark it down. And then we'll add it up at the end. And I'll decide based on how many hours, how much I'll pay you. Ultimately, it was, I got paid $50 and um, it was, it turned out to be about 50 hours worth of work for me to do this, this set, right? Oh, yeah. And here I was, eight, nine years old, right? 
And um, yeah, so uh, so dollar an hour, exactly, right? And it was amazing. And I got $50 all in one go. And I'm just going, this is great. So as I got bigger, I really liked the idea of being in charge of earning your own money. Or at the very least, knowing how to be in charge of earning your own money. doesn't matter if you don't want to do it. It's just important that you have the knowledge as well. So along the way, I've had jobs like in a costume shop. It's rubbish at it. Um, when I was about 14 years old, you know, people would come in and they'd say things like this. Okay, so I'm going to a costume party and it needs to be something starting with C. What should I go as? And my answer would be, well, what do you like? That's a terrible answer. If they knew what they liked, they wouldn't have come in asking the question. But of course, at 14, it makes sense because you don't actually know. So learnt, looking back, there was plenty of um, opportunities I had to sell. I just didn't know what it was until all these years of just doing different sales jobs. Oh, looking back, I'd say, well, there's this, 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 and this. And then try it on and let's see what fits and let's see what looks good. You know, like there's, you don't, People don't have to make a choice of what do I like or what do I not like. They only have to know what the choices are that is available, what fits and what doesn't, what's available on the day and what isn't. So these things I keep picking up, sales related. I had an aunt who, uh, I've still got an aunt, but I mean, same aunt. But when I worked at Coles, I was 16 years old, worked in a deli, and she came past and she was uh, particularly fun but particularly hard um to talk to she came in and she said will you sell me something and nobody knew she was my aunt so she's like no I'll wait for that girl there she said will you sell me something I'm hungry so you sell me something what should I have and I said do you like sandwiches she said I don't know you decide for me and okay so I had to decide what she was going to have on the sandwich how much I had to serve her so that she could then turn around and make a sandwich and um and Again, looking back, it was like, oh, that was clever training. If only I had known. So I've been able to look back in time and see all these um, things. And so my jobs have always been things cost full price. So I charged you know, $4 for baby's booties. Someone bought seven pairs. It was four times seven. Uh, when I was at Woolworth, oh, at Coles, you know, the price is the price when you work at a supermarket, no matter how much they buy, <laughs> that's the price um, times the, val- the the amount that you buy. I was a barmaid for 10 years. I like the idea of possibly earning tips. In Australia, we don't do that. So when I did get a few tips, sometimes I was so embarrassed by them leaving their money behind, I chased them down the street and gave it back. Uh, <laughs> but in America, I'd be amazing. <laughs> right? This is not used to it here. Um, and, um, and then worked at Fantastic Furniture where the price was the price. Worked for patents and trademarks. We're selling trademark applications. The price is the price that's marked at. Apple computers, price the price. So all these things, I would teach people along the way. I went to a seminar in 2002 um, on, it was my very first sales seminar that I went to. So it was about 25. And the guy, I still remember most of his talk. I don't know who he was. He was very tall because that was part of his talk. But he, um, everything he said, I believed in. It was that you don't have to discount anything in order to sell it. You just have to be pleasant and tell people what it is and let them make up their own mind. And I actually believe that. And I've gone, wow, I left the seminar going, not so much that I want to sell. I think it was in um, travel at the time. Not so much that I want to be a travel agent now that I understand. The difference is I actually want to teach people how to sell. And so that's sort of been my path since 2002 is to teach sales. So I've had to do it 
like every other entrepreneur, I've had to do it amongst jobs. So you kind of just do it by the way. You do it as a bit of a hobby. You do it by the way. And then you stop everything and go, oh, here's an opportunity. Let me just have at it and, and work at it full time, which you waste a lot of time and effort that way. And then you go back to a job because you don't have enough cash. And then you rearrange the ideas in your head and you track through a little bit again and back and forth. And so I've gone from jobs to no jobs. I've picked jobs on purpose that were sales related. I worked in furniture before, so after having babies, I went back deliberately to the same furniture shop um, to sell again just on weekends to test what's the difference between seven years earlier before people looked up Google that much to seven years later after everybody has Google to see what's the sales difference. I've worked in call centres deliberately uh, for call centres to see, you know, do people really want an email back if they email to you or would they prefer to get a phone call? So I would have to do the job that I'd put my hand up to do, which is, to respond back to the customer inquiries. But then I would run my own experiment at the same time. Well, I know they emailed in, but if I can fix it on the spot with one phone call instead of 15 emails back and forth, you know, how's it go? And I remember my boss, so this was just before COVID, uh, it was a year and a half with the, um, uh, the Government Department, National Health and Medical Research Council. And uh, so people who had locked themselves out of their their accounts to put in for a grant or funding um, would email in and say, I've locked my accounts. And then you'd have to fix all that. So I'd get them on the phone. Oh my God, thank you so much for calling me. Actually, yeah, this would be great. You're on the computer now. And I'd get it fixed. Now I did this for about a year and my boss started to say, could you not do that anymore? Do what? Don't call them. Email them back. If they emailed in, they want an email back. I said, I promise you they don't. I said, they all say, oh, thank God for calling. I said, just because nobody else likes to call. And they don't like to call and they don't know what to say when they call doesn't mean that people don't like phone calls. And I said, so I log every phone call, every email that comes in, I say it was done on a phone register and then I put the phone register thing. So I said, so I log everything. So it's all there. And that was the problem was other people didn't log their calls. So they didn't actually want that to happen. But what was interesting, while against their wishes, I stood my ground and I continued to do it the way that the customer really did like the ads back. COVID then hit. And when COVID hit overnight, we had to go um, on at home and we had to work from home. We had so many emails coming in. And if someone didn't get a response straight away, they emailed three inboxes, so three different groups. But the same three people, me and two others, were in charge of. But now all of us were answering the same ones over and over at different times. The boss called me up. Can you just call up and fix as many problems as you can without emailing? Yes, I can. <laughs> so it's quite interesting. So I've tested these different sales scenarios all the time. So it, moving forward, ended up in that sales training role. Like I've eventually ended up in the sales training role that I always wanted to be since 2002. I've just done it way harder and way longer than anyone else. I used to have coaches when I'd go networking and say, I can help you build this faster. And my answer would be, if I built it faster, I'm not going to know the actual sales problems that real life people are going to have. Because if we're using all these systems on putting together websites and databases and getting CRMs to work, right, if I use that to help overcome some of these sales problems, the sole trade at the beginning of the startup, they're not going to be able to do that straight away. And they're doing everything through trial and error. So now I've had to learn everything through trial and error, the supremely hard way um, of cost time and money wise as well is what uh, the same way as what any startup really is going to have 
but it makes me very strong in the fact that when someone calls and says, I've got this problem, I actually know it. I know the problem. I know the answer. I know exactly how it comes out because I felt it all and I've had other people test it <laughs> and I've seen it so many times. So um, that's how I ended up in business yeah. now, working for myself. COVID let me out of my job because it become obsolete being online all that time. And um, and by then, home, you know, watching the boys and everything else, I've gone, well, I'm not going to do that again. It's now given me an online platform, which, uh, to be fair, I probably would never have gone to. I like the idea of face-to-face, so traveling the world, go face-to-face. I'll still do that, by the way. Um, but, you know, online, it's all there. So it gave me the opportunity to move all the skills that I've been doing for years, but now do it on a Zoom platform yeah. and yeah. extend it out to more people faster. Well, no, thank you. Well, it's probably not much that they haven't seen in the sales world. So for our listeners, um, what are three tips you would give for going from no sales to sales? Yep. Uh, here they are, right? The top three tips is get known for that thing that you sell, be able to say your price, and then be quiet. So if you think of it like this, so get known for that thing you sell. It's your elevator pitch. It's your signature block in your emails. It's, um, and it's being able to say what it is. If you're a coach, like a life coach, what do you sell? You sell coaching. I'm sure that there's a workbook and there's other mindset stuff and there's all these things that go with it. But the end of the end of days, it's actually coaching that you sell. And those other things are just a part of the program that individual coaches will sell, right? So it's coaching and it will cost a price or it will start at a price. It's either, well, I don't know, $200 a session or $2,000 for, you know, 10 sessions, whatever it is, right? So it's a thing and it's a price. And then if you go silent, the customer can choose to buy. See, customer asks this question all the time. How much does it cost? If we can't answer that very simply, as in $200, $25, $10,000, the moment we start to decide, oh, well, you see, it kind of depends We lose the sale. So I like to teach everyone sales is like this. It's like groceries in a grocery store. Now I'll ask you this question, Mark, uh, and we've played played with this before, actually, at um, Be Connected World. So it's like this. Have you ever been to the store and bought groceries? Yes. Yes, you have. Okay. Ever had to go to the store ever, like Woolworths ever, to buy one thing, let's say coffee. Just buy coffee, that's it. You're determined coffee only, nothing else. Yes. Right? Now, on these particular days where you're getting one thing, nothing else, and you know exactly what that's going to be, you've left with a shopping bag full of stuff, probably costing around <laughs> about $50. Ever happened? Yes. Now, here's what I ask everyone. How did that happen? How is it that when you were getting one thing and you knew exactly what it was and you were determined to not get off track, how was it that you left with a grocery bag full of stuff, right? Here's how the groceries did it. They sat silently on the shelf with their price. So when they're sitting on the shelf, it's them saying, this is what I am. I'm tomato sauce. I'm a chocolate bar. I'm a bag of chips. I'm strawberries. They sat there with their price. I'm $5. I'm $5.50. I'm $10. Whatever it is. And they sat there in silence. And the customer did all the rest. And so sales, really, it's interesting, Mark. People think that sales are so hard, right? They were told once, by one person once at the beginning of time made up this story. 
for themselves. I find sales really hard. Sales is hard. They happen to say that to someone else who thought, well, I'll take on that stance too. Well, then sales is hard. Sales is hard. Nobody likes sales. I don't like sales. So therefore nobody likes sales. And so this one story, this little wives tale got passed down because one person said it once, it got passed down to everybody. And along the way, sales seems hard. It seems like, and I bet you've found this plenty of times, Mark, you can sell to one person, you think, wow, that worked. That's great. That's bought. Fantastic. I didn't even have to say much. The next time you go to use the same lines for the next person, completely different setup. They didn't know what you were talking about. They were backing away from you. And sales seems hard because every sale seems different. Or every, you know, you can't sell the same way, right? Every sale is different because every person is different. But the actual science that sits behind sales is exactly the same. If people know what it is and how much it costs, they'll do all of the selling to themselves by themselves. They don't need salesmen to convince them. We do it all the time. COVID was on. Nobody could talk to us. We got on Zoom and the postman was like inundated because we did it all by ourselves. So So those are my three tips. So true with the groceries happens to me all the time. (laughs) I know, same. (laughs) I can't let the children in. It's like, oh, no, I'll have to literally drive you all the way home and then go back out. Because even if I'm determined, if they don't have what I want, I am leaving with nothing um, except for the sneaky chocolate bar that nobody needs to know about. You know, that goes for <laughs> an empty bag <laughs> after you pay for it. But, I mean, you know, if the children are there, you can't, yeah, everything gets sold to. <laughs> uh, look, thanks so much for your time this morning, Misty. Look, I'm sure some of our listeners would are wanting to connect with you. How How can they do so, please? Uh, I am easily found on Google if you say Misty Henkel or Misty Henkel sales trainer. I'm like Ryan Reynolds. You can find me on Google. (laughs) Get that Google. (laughs) Get that, Ryan. We're going to run into each other one day. Um, Easily found on Google. Uh, So I have a Google business page. I don't have a website, but I am found on Facebook and LinkedIn. Really easy. And I answer the phone and I answer email address. My email address is everywhere. So email address is easy. MistyHenkel at gmail.com. So Misty, M-I-S-T-Y, Henkel, H-E-N-K-E-L at gmail.com. But if you look on Facebook and if you look on LinkedIn, I'm wearing a crown and I'm the only Misty Henkel in the world, but I'm wearing a crown. So I'm super easy to find and uh, people can connect with me that way. And I, I, I answer, the, I answer. That's part of the, part of, the uh, part of the sales process, isn't it? To answer the part of someone's calling I know, right? It's a little bit crazy, but you know, we we can get caught up. People get worried. I can't call you because you might be busy, right? Or they get anxious about emails and what if I email you and you don't answer? I understand why people don't answer to emails. They've probably got about eighty thousand unopened emails and they literally can't see it. Um, I mine's high at the moment. Mine's at about thirty nine unopened. It's still driving me bananas. I can't work out how to get rid of those thirty nine. They seem very important that I don't touch them and lose them but at the same time they're probably nothing in it um but yeah i keep mine low and then if it gets to a point with my emails that um they seem to be creeping up too high so in the past i've literally gone back three months and deleted everything three months and below everyone if i can't see it then i'm starting from scratch i'm not looking at it anyway so you might as well just start again it kind of it really does make you ill just before you press delete. Yeah, Once you does, press delete, it's, nothing. it's like yeah, sending so, a fire to the house. Yeah, you absolutely. lost the photos. 
So look, once again, thanks, thanks so much for your time this morning. Um, thank you. Be connected world. Sorry, Mark. Be connected world. You can find me at Be Connected World on a Thursday night. I am there every Thursday night at Be Connected World. Every second Thursday, I'm the sales trainer over there. The wonderful Stuart George is the other um, trainer on the opposite weeks, but I'm there every Thursday night at Be Connected World and uh, in the directory, Be Connected World directory as well. Thank you, Misty. So thank you to our listeners for listening. Um, I'll be back again soon with another edition for you of another aspiring business owner from somewhere around Australia. So for now, get connected, be connected, stay connected, Keep safe. I look forward to our next episode. Bye for now.